All right, welcome back to Firewall. I'm your host, Bradley Tusk. My guest today is Councilmember Chiose. She's a couple of things. One is he's the youngest member of the city council. We're gonna talk about that because of some of the work that we're doing on mobile voting and other things really overlap. But two, he, he's the sponsor of and really driving force behind a piece of legislation that I think is tremendously important. I've been waiting decades for someone to do this. And then all of a sudden, one day I read an article and there you are. Um, so let's just take it right up top. Um, why do you think that uh, people who are renting apartments shouldn't be charged broker's fees? For sure. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for, for having yeah, me on sure. the show. Yeah, sure. Thanks for coming on. Uh, at the end or at the beginning of the summer, I introduced uh, a bill called the FAIR Act, uh, which stands for Fairness and Apartment Rental Expenses Act. Uh, many New Yorkers who may be listening, especially tenants who are looking for an apartment or have in the past, uh, when you're undergoing this grueling process, uh, that is finding a new home within New York City. Uh, as a tenant, uh, when you find an apartment on Street Easy, even through word of mouth uh, with a friend, uh, you are confronted with this broker fee on top of first month's rent, last month's rent, and a security deposit. And you have to pay this broker's fee to a broker that you've never met before, uh, that you never negotiated a price with before, but a broker that is, uh, you know, getting free labor um, out of, or a landlord's getting free labor out of this broker uh, to f help them find a new tenant. So, um, you know, as a tenant in New York City or a prospective tenant in New York City, it's unfair that you have to pay this fee that can range from uh, 2000 to 3000 to even more uh, amount of money to just find an apartment uh, to someone that you never negotiated a price with. Right. Um, I mean, if, if the average one bedroom in Manhattan now is close to five thousand mm -hmm. dollars. So we just—it's a round number, you know, sixty thousand dollar annual rent. So even at the at fifteen percent, which is the lower mm -hmm. range of the fee, we're still talking about almost ten thousand mm -hmm. dollars. Who has ten grand in extra cash to just throw at the broker? It's not for your first month's rent or your mm -hmm. last month's rent. It's insane. Right. I mean, people are going to have to and, and have been having to save multiple paychecks just to move into a new apartment. Now, when you're thinking of young people who are moving to the city, uh, working class families, especially single mothers who are living paycheck to paycheck, uh, it's rather difficult to save multiple paychecks just to move into a new apartment. Uh, and every other transaction uh, that, that seems to exist within our society uh, if you order something, if you hire something, uh, if you negotiate a price with someone, then you pay that price. But unfortunately, in New York City and also Boston, uh, you are, are forced to pay this fee uh, to someone that you've never met or hired and negotiated a price with. And that's simply unfair. Um, and it's putting a strain on our already uh, deeply uh, problematic housing crisis here in New York. Right. So I, I noticed that you did not include um, brokers who are doing the sale of apartments. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that's because the work that goes into it is quite different. Mm -hmm. How do you think about it? Absolutely. I mean, you, you said it right there. I think the, the work is a bit more skilled, right? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of brokers that are who are selling um, apartments or homes um, really put some care into the work that they do, right? They're building client relationships. They're, uh, you know, selling the home to, to the prospective buyer. Um, I found that in, in New York City, there's, you know, a large uh, amount of brokers who, um, 
you know, our young people or people in general who who see this as a, you know, get rich uh, quick scheme or, yep. or get a, a check quick because there's not a lot of work that, that goes into it when you are a bad broker. Now, I think brokers, you know, still should exist and they do exist in every other city in this country where, uh, you know, we that, that does not exist without this this type of bill. Um, I hired a broker myself to, to find myself an apartment because it was rather difficult to, to do it in the traditional way. Uh, but just because I paid a broker uh, doesn't mean anyone has to be forced to pay a broker. Um, but I do believe that brokers that, that sell apartments and sell homes do provide a necessary service. Um, and that's not something that I want to, to, to regulate with this right. bill. So I wrote a column a few weeks ago in the mm-hmm. Daily News in, endorsing your bill, and I got plenty of pushback, as mm-hmm. you can imagine. And Did a you? Lot, yeah. From, you what know, were you hearing? Just a lot. It's interesting. Um, I think because people in the real estate community mm-hmm. now know, know me well enough to know that if they just sort of attacked me wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. I would just publicly go right back at right. them. So, they, so it was a lot more of like, well, you don't really understand. Mm-hmm. The job's much harder than mm-hmm. you realize. Mm-hmm. And I it's like, okay, so mm-hmm. the job is is what you're opening the door mm-hmm. answering a few questions mm-hmm. and collecting an application um and then either you or the landlord is then doing a credit check right mm-hmm. in the era before the internet maybe you could see an argument mm-hmm. that the broker provided some sort of convening mm-hmm. function but now when all the information is already available completely online and can be provided for free mm-hmm. i just didn't hear a single argument as to the service that the broker providing justifying a the economic cost of this and right. b the social cost simply because it does lead to less affordable housing mm-hmm. and it does deter people who we want in the city from coming here mm-hmm. and also i mean if if the broker is uh providing that that type of service and they're talking to the landlord about that service that they're providing then the landlord should simply pay for those services right um the tenant you know should not have to be forced to pay the broker fee to someone that their landlord um is getting a free you know service from. right i mean let's 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 do the math so let's say that you pay someone 50 bucks an hour so they can open the door, mm-hmm. answer some questions, mm-hmm. and collect applications, mm-hmm. right? And let's say it's 50 hours of work, which seems completely way <laughs> right. over, right? But that's 2500 uh-huh. bucks, And then the credit check's a couple hundred bucks more, mm-hmm. right? So the, the total cost to the landlord at most is a third of mm-hmm. what people are paying in broker right. fees, probably right. m- more like a fifth or a right. sixth. You know, so under your bill, would the broker, would the landlord be able to pass those costs back onto the renter? How, how does that work? So, I mean, there are multiple uh, different scenarios that can take place, right? Um, you know, I think that many tenants and tenants that we've spoken to would be more than happy that if they if the broker did bake in the or if the landlord baked in the broker fee to the to the annual rent a lot of tenants would be happy to pay that broker fee over a period of time rather than as an upfront cost right i think uh the barrier that that truly exists for tenants is having to again save multiple paychecks just to move in just to move in into an apartment in new york city is is rather difficult so uh in one scenario people would rather pay that um you know over elongated period of time another scenario is that you know about 50 percent of tenants in new york city live in rent regulated apartments uh you cannot increase the rent or bake a fee into the rent um, of a rent uh stabilized apartment within new york city and then the third thing is you know the market um in terms of how how rents work in new york city um 
cannot change simply if a landlord wants to to bake the broker fee into the rent. If a tenant is looking for an apartment that is three thousand dollars a month, and the bro or, or the and the, and the landlord is now uh, you know changing that rent to thirty five hundred dollars, uh, that tenant's going to look somewhere else for for an apartment. And that's something that we saw during COVID when we saw that rents fell. Yeah. Um, it's because you know the market is is dictated by what uh, the 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 larger uh, population of prospective tenants in New York City can right. pay. And, and if you are the landlord. Lord. Like I understand that the broker on, on one hand provides a cost-free service mm-hmm. to you. On the other hand, um, that is money arguably that could be either coming to you in mm-hmm. the form of rent or just generally speaking is money that is kind of just going, it's like almost vanishing in thin mm-hmm. air with no real tangible mm-hmm. outcome. So what's the reaction been to the bill from uh, landlords, from Rebney, and then mm-hmm. from regular people. Absolutely. So, you know, this is the closest New York City has ever been to to changing how we we have our broker system set up. We have 29 sponsors in the city council signed on to this bill. That's a majority of, of sponsors within the city council. Um, you know, the chair of the committee in which this bill uh, must come through, um, you know, has told me that there's not enough time in the year uh, for this bill to have a hearing, so it could even be spoken about. Um, Rebney has the Real Estate Board of New York has yeah. lobbied uh, viciously against this bill um, and, and calling other members to not sign on to this bill. Um, you know, saying many different things that 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 this bill doesn't do, um, but they're saying that it it, it will do. So there's right. a lot of misinformation that's being spread about this bill yep. straight from the get go. Um, it's received a lot of pushback, which has been unfortunate to to see because this is you know a piece of legislation within our city government that will tangibly. Uh, benefit the lives of so many New Yorkers and prospective New Yorkers, um, but I've received a lot of pushback from it. So, so you've got 29 co-sponsors, mm-hmm. though, and is it if you have 35, then 34, 34, then mm-hmm. kind of regardless of a blockade by the committee chair, mm-hmm. the bill goes to the floor for a vote. Yes, for a hearing. For a hearing. Yes. Okay, and then who decides if the speaker then decides whether or not it can be voted on? Yes. Got it. And where do you think the speaker is on this? Uh, I know that the speaker... Uh, supports the merits of the bill. Okay. But it is the end of the year, so the, the session is almost over. Um, and I know that there are so many other people that are trying to get their bills through, so I'm not sure if this is a, a top priority for, for the speaker right. at this moment. But I imagine you'd be just as, if, if, if you got a commitment, hey, we're going to have a hearing and then call a vote, and you know if you have the votes passed this mm-hmm. bill in January or February, mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. like you're not interested in it happening yeah. then, right? Yeah, you, you take the win whenever you can get yeah, it. Absolutely. I so I think that's where a bit of my strategy is turning to. So the session ends at the end of this year, and then yeah. I have to reintroduce the bill at yeah. the top of next year. I get some of the new members to sign on, um, and it also gives me time to to, to build a larger coalition yeah. um, of folks that that would be more uh, supportive publicly about pushing this bill. Of, of the members who have, so I guess the the 22 that have not yet mm-hmm. signed on to the bill formally. Um, is, is it worth trying to make this an issue? I mean, because they are all up mm-hmm. for election, right? In, mm-hmm. in a cup in what, four weeks, three mm-hmm. weeks, something like that. Mm-hmm. Is it worth trying to make it an issue in their campaign to sort of box them in mm-hmm. on? I don't think so. I think that, uh, you know, we're seeing a red wave in New York that has been impacting all of our elections from, you know, federal down to to, to, to city. Um, and I, I don't want to jeopardize any of my colleagues, especially Democratic colleagues, chances of, of winning in some of these contentious races. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am hoping that uh, their tenants um, 
within their districts, their constituencies are speaking up and, and advocating uh, for them to be uh, potential co-sponsors on this piece of legislation. Yeah, right. E even if they privately commit to groups, there's, mm -hmm. they may back out on it, but there's definitely value. Right. right. Because some of them will stick to uh, stick to their words. So one of the things that I found really interesting about the bill is, to me, the city has long ignored, and I don't think it's just more sin of omission mm -hmm. rather than commission, but... Um, I think a demographic that's really useful, which mm -hmm. is people who move here in their 20s from anywhere else in the mm -hmm. world, right? And they tend to be people who are young and ambitious mm -hmm. and excited to be here and mm -hmm. smart and hardworking and they have big ideas. And like they're really exactly what we want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, their healthcare costs are low. They've consumed very few social services. Mm -hmm. um, you know, typically not a lot of law enforcement costs or issues around them. You know, their taxes pay, get deducted from their paycheck every two weeks, so they're reliable taxpayers. They spend all their mm -hmm. disposable money, you know, back into the city's economy, mm -hmm. uh, nightlife and bars and entertainment and mm -hmm. all of that. So the ROI is incredibly high, mm -hmm. and yet I have yet to see, and this includes the guy that I revere and work, work mm -hmm. for, Mike Bloomberg, any politician ever, maybe before you, sort of say, hey, we should pay attention to these right. guys. Why is that? Why, why is why are we well, not yeah, paying attention? Or, to yeah, them? like well, why why did it take you to do this? I mean, I get yeah. that you're of that age, but like it's it seems like so obvious to me. I, I, you know, I think that especially in in terms of the fiscal future of the city, we need to be looking towards um, every single solution that could uh, provide a return on investment for for New Yorkers, and we should be looking towards that population and making the city um, you know welcoming for them and affordable for them. At the same time, that we should continue making the city affordable for people uh, who grew up here, right? Yeah, who are sure. who are being pushed out of their their communities, and not even just you know people coming to the business world, but um, young people in general. I mean, New York City, what. You know, makes New York, I think, as, as interesting as it is, is a lot of the creatives and artists and yeah, people that are, were traditionally able to li live in the city as starving artists who are now turning to other cities to move to. Right. right. I mean, look, the, the, the people coming here to work at J.P. Morgan mm -hmm. or McKinsey, they can't afford the bibliography, right? right? So that's not really even to me, like you're not even really losing yeah. those residents. Mm -hmm. It's all the people who have maybe something more interesting that they want right. to do than be a management consultant mm -hmm. or an investment banker who could, you know, will most of them end up probably moving back somewhere else eventually? Mm -hmm. Sure. But will some of them become lifelong New Yorkers? Yes. Yeah. And will a few of them create something, whether it's business or art or whatever Absolutely. it is, that then really makes a city a better place? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And they're the ones who are really getting deterred from moving mm -hmm. here because, again, if we just use that sort of $5,000 yeah. rent as, as a baseline, you got to come up with basically almost, almost an extra ten grand mm -hmm. in cash um, just to pay it. Like, right. yeah, if, if, if McKinsey is paying it for you or yeah. giving you a giant bonus, yeah, you can handle it. But it's all the people who can't are the ones that were losing their talent, right? And and the diversity of those people is, I think, mm -hmm. what's being sacrificed. So, you know, given that a, a lot of your colleagues both um, do want to either help make New York more affordable for people who mm -hmm. are already here or encourage sort of a wide diversity of people yeah. to come here, um, of those who haven't signed on to the bill yet, what do they not see? I think that they see the 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 potential of this bill and what's good about this bill. I think that there are powers that exist that are telling them to ignore uh, what's going to be beneficial about this bill. Right. And that's why I really appreciated um, your op-ed because this is such a, a big tent issue. You know, I have um, 
you know, brokers who are, are supportive of, of this bill. I have, yeah. you know, tenants and working class folks who are supportive of this bill. Um, this young, yuppie, potential business community that wants to move here that's, yeah. that's supportive of this bill. This is going to help people, right? And, and that should be the job of government. That's why I'm in, in government. And I think that um, I work with a lot of smart people, and I think they know that too. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, when some interests don't want uh, something like this to come into fruition for some reason um, you know some people turn a blind eye away from from the potential of, of something good right now we know that ultimately if people let the demographic we were just talking about were active primary voters mm-hmm. and things like city council races and mayoral mm-hmm. races obviously the math would change right. but but these tend to be people who are generally not super engaged politically mm-hmm. um, in the system, which brings us to an issue that you and I have also talked yeah. about, which is mobile voting. I love this. So, you know, how's that going? And so, so he, basically, the, the first stage of it is we funded elections in seven mm-hmm. states, twenty-one jurisdictions, mm-hmm. where either deployed military yeah. or people with disabilities voted in real elections mm-hmm. on their phones. Votes counted, turned out more than uh, on average doubled. Mm-hmm. Um, City of Denver did a poll of the people who participated. Not mm-hmm. so shockingly, 100% said they preferred mm-hmm. mobile voting to having to go somewhere or do something. Uh, National Cybersecurity Center audited all of the elections, all mm-hmm. came back clean. But um, I got a lot of shit from the cybersecurity mm-hmm. community, the paper ballot people saying, no, 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 it can never be safe. Mm-hmm. So we built our own. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are three the years. The paper ballot community? Yeah, there is. <laughs> like verified voting and citizen action, okay. you know, amazingly. Right. Um, as, by the way, they sort of hold up paper ballots as nirvana. Do, uh-huh. do they not remember Bush v. Right, Gore right. and the Iraq War and the million people who died in the war right. and the two trillion dollars wasted in our, in our climate? And our climate, yeah, right. I mean, that's it's funny. We we had a discussion the other day in the podcast about I was arguing that one of the bigger what ifs of history mm-hmm. and tragedies is Bush v. Gore right. because we would probably be in a totally different place on climate change yeah. right now if Al Gore had been president Absolutely. because he was the only one that really took it yeah. seriously and understood it back At then. that time, yeah. Yeah, and the compounding effect in mm-hmm. either, right, we've had a compounding effect in a negative direction. Mm-hmm. We could have had mm-hmm. a compounding effect in a positive, in a positive yeah. direction. And Paper so, ballots. Yeah, that, that, that's the cause of it, yeah. right? Um, so we're building our own. We're about seven-eighths of the way done, okay. um, and we're going to release it early next year, mm-hmm. and we're going to make it free and open source, so anybody who wants to use mm-hmm. it, this is I'm doing this out of my foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, This is not a business thing for me in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems to me that the only way to ultimately win mm-hmm. is for you guys, meaning people of your generation, mm-hmm. especially you know, activists and advocates, um, to demand it, right? Mm-hmm. We, need, we need basically... When when the powers that be say, oh, no, you can't have it because it's not secure, because they can't mm-hmm. say we don't want more people to vote. Mm-hmm. Even in Texas and Georgia, when they re- restricted voting mm-hmm. rights, they never said we don't want black people to right. vote. They said security yeah. and terror, yeah. terror, these bullshit buzzwords. It's such right? a lazy answer. Yeah. You know, I, totally. I think, I mean, our, our country is a young country. And yeah. It's, it's ever changing. And we've seen so much change within our society alongside the changing of our government. So should voting, right? Yeah. And so should the, the the medium in which we vote. I think this is an excellent uh, yeah. cause that, that you were Th- taking. Thank up. you. So you know, it's basically we're just taking vote. All we really did is we built the vote by mail mm-hmm. system digitally. That's mm-hmm. it. Um, are you the first to do this? And I think so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are a few startups that were working on it, but I think that the reality is, I was lucky enough personally mm-hmm. to have the resources just because of my my day job and right. capital. To invest enough money to build something mm-hmm. truly different and, and mm-hmm. truly secure, um, and then we're going to have to pass legislation over the objections mm-hmm. of the system, right? You right. want to bring the two parties together, right. make it easier, take away power. Like right. I used to be Chuck Schumer's communications director. If I went to Chuck and said, "Hey, Chuck, 
here are 25 issues you said you're for, they're all more likely to happen if we mm -hmm. had mobile voting. Mm -hmm. His only response would be, I'm not making it easier for AOC to primary me. Mm -hmm. And that would be his only That's comment, right? Crazy. Oh so we're going to have to I overcome that. I thought you would that. receive more pushback from you know, the right or from for the sure. right? For sure. Okay. I think so. And look, I think ultimately if it does happen, or mm -hmm. it eventually will happen because technology always mm -hmm. eventually wins. Mm -hmm. um, It'll be sequential, <laughs> so maybe you're starting with state and local primaries yeah. in blue states. Which, by the way, great. Mm -hmm. You know that would if if you if we go back to the the, the issue of this podcast, which mm -hmm. is your bill. If mobile voting existed and young people could vote on yeah. their phones, their turnout would be exponentially higher. Mm -hmm. And instead of having 29 co-sponsors, mm -hmm. you'd probably have 39 co-sponsors mm -hmm. or 49 co-sponsors. And the reason that Rebney can bully some of your colleagues into not doing this mm -hmm. is because they say that the people who they'd be helping in large part aren't going to vote in right. the primary right. anyway, right? Um, so yeah, do you mind if I hit a few other local issues just to get Absolutely. to take Absolutely. Let's, let's dive in. Uh, local Law 11, mm -hmm. the scaffolding. Mm -hmm. This one really confuses me, right? Okay. Because no one really seems to like the vast amounts of scaffolding right. around New York City. Um, you know, talking to Alvin Bragg, and he was talking about how there's like a higher incidence of crime yeah. under scaffolding, mm -hmm. uh, makes people feel unsafe. Mm -hmm. And like, at least with your bill, there is a powerful political constituency in Redney on the other right. side. So at least it is politically uh -huh. logical. It, it wrong, but politically logical. Mm -hmm. The crazy thing with, with Local Law 11 is I can't even identify who's in favor of keeping it and get this bill that costs New Yorkers, same thing. And probably, by the way, would mm -hmm. help with affordable housing costs. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars a year right. just exists. Mm -hmm. What can we do about it? About scaffolding? About, yeah, like <laughs> what, how do we get rid of this? You know, I, I think that I have some colleagues within the council, Councilmember Brayu, Councilmember Powers, who are, are definitely um, more well versed on. Yeah, on I've talked, subject, Keith has right? come on this podcast. Um, we've talked about it. Yeah. It, yeah, I love I love their advocacy. From I, I am a Brooklyn council member, and even though like some of my you know votes um, and and where I co sponsor on bills definitely affects the the greater city, yeah. um, scaffolding is not an issue it's, that I hear, right. it's hear more, a lot it's more of Manhattan within, issue, yeah. within Brooklyn. Um, but you know, I I think that you know what what they're doing is great. I know that the mayor. Is, is in partnership with them on, on getting rid of scaffolding. Um, but um, Especially when, again, you, you can use drones yeah. to, to do the inspection yeah. at a fraction of the cost without all of the inconvenience. Yeah. The mayor loves drones. Yeah, the mayor loves drones. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, that one, um, the illegal weed shops. Okay. What do you think about it? And like how, from my view, yeah. but I strongly support mm -hmm. legalization of recreational yeah. cannabis. It's not the question. Yeah. But I also think that we asked all these people to mm -hmm. go through a legal process. They right. put in a lot of time and money to mm -hmm. do so. And then we have screwed them over completely yeah. by allowing this totally unregulated market that doesn't collect taxes so their product is cheaper. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's killing the legal market. Mm -hmm. What should we do about it? Yeah, so I mean, this is a, another problem that like the city, as being a city elected official, you know, we have so many issues with the MTA, yeah. uh, but then the MTA is a state agency. Um, so there's a lot of obstacles that, that, that play a role into that. That's, just, that's the same issue that we're seeing when it comes to, to this marijuana problem, right? Uh, marijuana was, is, was legalized and is legalized uh, through a state agency, OCM, mm -hmm. as you yep. know. Yep. Um, and something that OCM uh, didn't really give much thought into was the enforcement behind uh, you know, illegal weed shops. And I think it's because 
because marijuana is a very, very uh, touchy and racial uh, subject within this country, nonetheless, New York City. Um, and I think that there was a blind eye turned to, to what enforcement of illegal weed shops would look like. Um, I, I definitely w- always want to look to the, the state on, on the enforcement that they are actually beefing up and making sure that uh, some of these shops are closed down. Uh, the city has their hands tied when it comes to uh, you know the type of enforcement that we could make the NYPD do or other city agencies uh, like DCWP when it comes to shutting some of these shops down uh, because they'll get a summons, they'll get, you know, uh, a a ticket. um, But in three months, they'll still be selling uh, the same product within their stores. And I understand the notion of if, if, let's say there's as many as they estimate 8,000 illegal Mm -hmm. shops. If there are 8,000 small struggling business Mm -hmm. owners who are just trying to make a living, like, uh, okay, I guess you could... There's no way that's the case because they all right. look exactly alike. Like, there's no way this is an organized crime. Have you seen some of the like the names of them? It's like the the ugliest shops ever, too. They're not. Yeah, right. Because it's, <laughs> it's just really I, bet, it's, I bet there's like literally like a turnkey solution right. because it's like a couple of people who probably own the vast right. majority of them, and mm-hmm. those are criminals, right? Yeah. Those are not anyone that we should be sympathetic to. Now, I will say, let's say Eric Adams just said, you know what, the state has been completely incompetent on this. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Even the governor would say that OCM has in any way been an effective or competent mm-hmm, agency mm-hmm. whatsoever. It's almost, it's mind-blowing mm-hmm. how incompetent that, they've, that mm-hmm. they've been. And the mayor said, you know what, um, this is having a huge impact on my city, on kids getting mm-hmm. access to legal weed, the, the, the substance themselves being unlicensed and uninspected, mm-hmm. so there's anything from, you know, lead in them to, to fentanyl right. potentially. Um, and so I'm just going to padlock all of them. And mm-hmm. if the state doesn't like it, too bad. Do something mm-hmm. about it. If the mayor did that tomorrow, what would be your reaction? Oh, wow. That's that's quite the scenario. I think that would be really interesting to see how that would take place. As a, as a New Yorker um, and not as an elected official, yeah. um, I think that would kind of be exciting to see how that would would. Yeah. would would turn out in yeah, terms of yeah. how the governor would respond, especially in their relationship with that. But um, my gut is, I, I don't like I don't it, like a lot of these shops. Right. I think they're yeah. they're ugly. Um, I think a lot of them are opening up by our schools. They're trying to sell products that um, you know look like they're kid friendly or, or for right. children. Well, so you're a a, a a friend seminary graduate, yes. and uh, I'm very familiar with that mm-hmm. school. And there, I started sh- vaping in high school. The jewel was like right. Right. Popping up around, right? That's right. So that whole like, food store across the street used to sell yeah. jewel to, to kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was talking to Bo about this the other day. There's a shop, I don't know how often you're still back by the school, but mm-hmm. uh, right on 3rd and 16th, so basically mm-hmm. right by... The Joe, smelly deli? Right, right by... Well, next to the deli uh-huh. and next to Joji. That's what it's called. That's what it's called. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, have, I have kids there that eat there every day. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> there's a weed shop, uh-huh. right? And like, There is. Yeah. And, I didn't know and that. And Bo's like, sure that they're selling mm-hmm. to his his students, yeah. right? So like, it, it's clearly, there's no world in which this isn't yeah. going to kids. And if you're licensed, mm-hmm. you're far less likely to sell to kids simply because mm-hmm. you're worried about losing your life. Even if you right. have no morals, right. just, just purely the economics mm-hmm. of it, or you wouldn't do it. So mm-hmm. um, a tougher one in yeah. that, the, that just not great solutions, but the, the migrant crisis. Mm-hmm. If there were legislation before you and the council mm-hmm. that said, you know what? The feds are useless. Mm-hmm. We're just going to create a New York City work permit. Mm-hmm. And if you are here as a, a migrant, yeah. rather than us paying to house you mm-hmm. and feed you and you sitting around all day, mm-hmm. you came here because you wanted to work. There mm-hmm. are industries like hospitality and healthcare mm-hmm. that need uh, 
employees. Right. Um, and then you could actually become a taxpaying mm -hmm. citizen rather mm -hmm. than someone consuming resources that should right. be going to schools or whatever Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Um, how would you feel about it? I, like I would be supportive of that. Um, you know, I think that a, a lot of people have a misconception that you know, n migrants and immigrants are going to harm our economy, but we've actually seen we need them. <laughs> a turnaround to our economy when, when we support, you know, immigration um, and the services that allows people to, to immigrate, immigrate, immigrate peacefully. Um, I will say that that is a solution that I would definitely support. But even just speaking in, in the current day, I think the city could be doing a lot more to, to look towards increasing our revenue. One of them being passing uh, the FAIR Act and allowing younger people to, to be able to move into the city that, that work within the business field. But yep. um, also by instituting a Pieter-Terre tax for people who mm -hmm. you know own apartments and homes within New York City but don't live here. Um, vacancy taxes on, on multiple you know businesses that are, are holding out uh, within our city. Also, I know that you know the city's owed a lot of money uh, through through contractors and, and through work that we have done. If we hired fifty auditors within the Department of Finance, uh, the turnaround rate of, of receiving uh, some of that money uh, could increase by uh, a decent amount. That would help us uh, support this crisis. I mean, there's so many things that the city should be doing rather than um, you know complaining about the the crisis at hand but i do think that if there were something that the city could do in in, in authorizing work permits um you know through through our power i think that was right. something i could be yeah, supportive I mean, of unquestionably it would go to court and, mm -hmm. and hard to know how a federal just court like would. uh our city our vote yeah but but at the same time like why not try mm -hmm. you know because it's the what we, the status quo i mean the mayor has been very mm -hmm. clear the status quo is, is bankrupting mm -hmm. us right so like i just don't i guess this is a little bit of my concern with the administration so far. Mm -hmm. And I, I like the mayor personally, and I, mm -hmm. I do think that he wants to do good things. Mm -hmm. But there are these issues that you could choose to take action yeah. on, like the weed shops, like a, a New York City work mm -hmm. permit, that you have you have endless excuses to not do mm -hmm. it, right? You can blame mm -hmm. whoever, or you can just act. And at the mm -hmm. end of the day, you're here to get things done, right? That's the point of serving in office. And I don't see that really happening. At I, I, I completely agree. And... I think that's a frustration that I've been having in the two years that I've been in office. Like I, I remember coming into office, youngest member of the city council, no prior experience in government, and I had this imposter syndrome of of coming in. Right? right Will right. I be able to do the job? Most especially like within the the, the purview of serving my constituents. And and now two years in, very comfortable in serving my constituents and knowing my community and knowing how to navigate the city agencies. But I'm really. Uh, having a hard time as as a person and as someone that that works as a, as a legislator and someone in in power uh with the the red tape and the roadblocks and the the lack of will sometimes to to make some of these uh creative decisions right even if they may uh, get shot down by by the courts in the future um i feel like they're people people have given up before even trying within this field of government. Um, I hate being told that there's only so much that we can do. I hate being told um, that there are so many limitations to what we as people in power can do um, before even trying to, to do those things. So what you just said really speaks to me because yeah. it's, a, it's a frustration that that I've been dealing with, I guess, going into like my sophomore, junior year of, yeah. of now being um, an elected official. But um, it's something that I, I frequently see, especially with people who have been within government for, for a long period of time. Uh, we need creative solutions for these these diverse problems that we are yeah. dealing with. And to bring it full circle, if we made it easier to and cheaper to live here mm -hmm. because we didn't charge these completely outlandish mm -hmm. uh, rental brokers fees, 
we would get more talented people, mm -hmm. a lot of whom would want, or some of whom would want to work in city government, yeah. and that would enable us to sort of have a higher quality government mm -hmm. and, and make people's lives better. Absolutely. Perspective is everything, and, and people need a different perspective in order to, to change what's happening right. in our city, especially the problems that seem ingrained within our system. Right. Well, Chief, thanks for taking on this issue. I'm a big fan of it. Uh, you have all my support, whatever you need for it, and uh, let's get it passed. Thank you so much for having me. Firewall is recorded on the Lower East Side of PNT Netware, home to New York City's only free podcast recording studio. Let us know if you have a question, feedback, or ideas for a guest. Just email me at bradley at firewall.media or find me on Twitter, or some people now call it X, at Bradley Tusk. And don't forget to pre-order my debut novel, Obvious in Hindsight, wherever books are sold, especially here at PNT Network.